Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What a week it is. The county teams are back training. The draws have been made. In a couple of weeks' time, we'll come back and preview the National Football League. But today is all about the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. We will look at the championship in every province and at the All-Ireland Series as well. It's a straight knockout championship. No Super 8s and no backdoor. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisín McConville, and by Keith Higgins, the recently retired Mayo footballer, who is admired and respected as one of the best players of the last decade. Uh, Keith, I have to ask you, when you saw the draw being made this week, did you get a yearning to, to get back and play football? Uh, yeah, I suppose it was, uh, when you look at it, again, no disrespect, I suppose, to Sligo or Leitrim, you know, from Mayo point of view, you're looking, right, we should be in a kind of final here against Galway, Roscommon, and straight away, that's kind of where you want to be against those two boys, you know, they're your biggest rivals in, in Connacht, so, yeah, there was a small bit of kind of jealousy there, I suppose, when you're looking at it that, but, um, yeah, look, from a personal point of view, I kind of made my bed now at this stage, kind of happy enough with the decision, so, um, focus on getting back out training with the hurdlers last night, to be honest. Why did you stop playing football? I just felt, I suppose, towards the end of last year, um, particularly in training, you know, I wasn't really getting to the level where I wanted to be at or where I was at previous years where I felt I could really make a difference on the team. Or, you know, it wasn't the fact that I wasn't starting or anything like that. I just personally, I didn't feel like I was at the level I wanted to be to compete. And I was kind of looking forward to next year, thinking if that's the way I'm feeling, if that's the way the body is, I'd be going training, getting frustrated, getting kind of a bit pissed off at myself, not being at that level. Um, and just didn't want to go through a year of that, to be honest. I didn't want to go through a year of feeling pissed off about the whole thing, um, not enjoying it. So I just thought it was right to go at that stage and not go through all of that, to be honest. Was it physical or mental? Um, physical, I think, really, yeah. Um, like I said, the body wasn't bad. I wasn't, you know, plagued with injuries or anything like that. But it was literally the speed that it was there before probably was a bit off getting back to the same fitness levels was a bit off. And like when you're in training and you have guys first and past year, like, right, well, I can't put up with this for a year. Or, you know, how would I how would I manage out in Crow Park on a big open pitch? So that was the real factor for me. And I just didn't want to go through that kind of feeling, getting frustrated with things next year. So I just thought it was better to to leave it there and kind of thankfully had the innings that I had. If you Did you feel you were struggling in training then? Like, were you, were you in, in training I, matches? Were you, were you not coping? I suppose I, there was times I would have felt like I was struggling, yeah. And then there was times I would have felt, geez, I'm going all right here. I could be pushing for a starting spot. But I suppose it was very inconsistent. You know, there was one day it could be very good, one day it could be very bad. And I suppose 
you know, I said back over the years, I would never really have experienced that without, I suppose, sounding, want to sound too cocky or anything like that, you know. Um, so when I was at that stage, I just thought, well, will I get back to where I wanted to be, where I'm consistently at that level every night of training, you know. So that was it, really. And then I think, like I said, I just didn't want to go through the mental side of being frustrated all year. So it was kind of a bit of both, but I think physically was the main thing. I just didn't feel I was where I needed to be. Like when you're rushing, pushing mulling, driving by and runs and in training and mini games and all that, it's... Uh, not a pretty place to be. Did you feel you couldn't make a difference in the All-Ireland final last year, or that you wouldn't have made a difference if you'd come on? Ah, look, when you're sitting on the bench and you're watching the game, I'd say every one of the 15 or 16 subs or whatever was there would have felt, geez, I can make a difference when I come on here. Um, but this was asking the heat of the moment, looking back on it, would I have made a difference? I don't know. I mean, you know, you come on maybe at half time there, we were man up for the first 10 minutes. It would have been really an ideal situation to maybe try and settle into it, not having to run around after Conor Callan or something like that, you know. But um, yeah, I felt like I could have made a difference at that stage. But again, that's maybe kind of ego talk as well. Like every player you know, thinks that they can make a difference. So, um, you know, like I felt probably towards the end of the year, I was probably getting a bit closer to where I wanted to be. But again, I just didn't think I was really where I could have been, if that makes sense. Can I, can I ask you? You played so many matches cornerback, but you also played wing back and you played in the forwards. What do you think your best position was? Where would you like to have played your your time for Mayo? Yeah, it's a funny one. Like, um, like I would have played every all my career with the club would have been in the half back line, centre back, um, and that's where I would have been very comfortable. But was kind of tried there a couple of times with Mayo over the years. I mean, in training and all that, and it's just it's a different kettle of fish playing centre-back for an intermediate team in Mayo than it is playing inter-county level, you know. So I did, at inter-county level, I felt more comfortable cornerback, to be honest. Um, I was kind of happy there. Obviously, a couple of the managers tried me up in the forwards and, you know, I didn't mind where they played me, but I suppose ultimately I felt more comfortable back cornerback, yeah. Oshin has had some fairly brutal things to say about cornerbacks on, on hmm. the show in, in general, and I'm wondering if, if you want to issue some sort of a formal apology, Oshin. <laughs> well... This is a time where you either apologise or you double down. And uh, I think Keith has already made the point that he was not just uh, a cornerback. So he's probably excluded from the club that I'd be talking about. I play uh, the boys I'd be talking about. Take an easy way out here, is it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The boys I'd be talking about are uh, some of the lads I would have played with in particular, who I never ever seen kick the ball, always fisted the ball out and stuff like that. And I just thought. What's the point, lads? But anyway, if you still need but cornerbacks, that's, I think that's the, the way the game has changed. Like cornerbacks are human beings as well, so we need to. I suppose I need to move on as well. If we look at the Connacht Championship and the draw, and as you say, it's Mayo on the same side as Sligo. Start playing Sligo, and if Mayo beats Sligo, they play Leitrim. What is the mindset in Mayo now when you go and play either Sligo or Leitrim? Um. I suppose if we looked at last year, even when we played Leitrim, the mindset was literally just to go and win. Because I suppose, and again, like some people might look at this and think that, you know, players are bullshit sometimes when they're talking that they just really want to go out and win every game regardless of who they're playing. But the first thing is just to win. And yeah, you might want to put in a decent score, a decent performance. But the bottom line for these guys is it's knockout. They just want to get to another kind of final against Goa Ross Common. Like, and, you know, if Sligo or Leitrim are the, the herds that are the win in the way, you just want to go out and win it. So, I wouldn't say there's, you know, complacency is probably not the right word. You will be confident going in and beating them and probably should be beating them handy. But at the same time, the management will make sure that it's kind of taken serious as any other game. Like they will put in the same preparation for it. 
Um, so from a player's point of view, you just go out. It's it's a game you have to win. It's as simple as that. And so you can't you can't really see a way. You like the presumption you would have is that Mayo will come through that side, and then it's Galway mm-hmm. or Roscommon in the final. What, what do you think happened to Galway last year? After a brilliant lead in the first section, and then really disappointing second half of the section, and then a really competitive Connacht final. But what what went wrong for Galway last year? Yeah, look, you'll never be able to kind of put your finger on exactly what went wrong, but I suppose you look at it from the start of the year, and I think I nearly compared them to us back in 2019 when James came in. Um, obviously, you have a new manager. Players are looking forward to it. You're probably back training a bit earlier than you normally would be, so there is a bounce off it. Um, and like I said, we had a, a very good start to the league in 2019. Go, it's something similar. They were playing very good. And then obviously with lockdown, it just shut everything down. And it kind of takes all that momentum away from them. Um, I think they kind of came back then for the start of the league after lockdown. They probably had a good few injuries. You know, the day we played them in, in Tune Stadium, they were missing an awful amount of players. Um, and then obviously with not having a game against Sligo, they were literally going into cha- a big bit of a break there with the championship. So I really just do think it was that lockdown that really kind of put a hold to them. Um, they probably weren't really sure where they were then when they came back and we gave them such a good beating in June. Um, but like I said, then come championship, like it's always going to be competitive, you know. Um, Open Pier Stadium was a breezy, breezy place at the best of times, so it was always going to need to be a game of two halves. Like so, um, I really just do think it was the the lockdown just put a huge stall to momentum, and they probably just weren't sure where they were at then when they came back after. Do you think there's a team coming in Galway? Um, I hope not. Um, but yeah, look. I, in fairness to goal, if they always produce very good footballers and very good forwards, I suppose the one thing you'd have or maybe question mark over them is are they solid enough or defensive enough at the back to really push on? I think probably that's where Kevin Welch kind of probably came in for a lot of criticism at the time is he probably went that bit more defensive with them. Um, but yeah, like I said, they are bringing through a lot of good players. We're going to see how many come through from that under-20 team from last year. But the thing about goal is they will always produce good footballers and good teams is whether they'll be solid enough to actually makes the good football with what needs to be done to win big championship games, I suppose. And will they beat Roscommon? I don't know. I think Roscommon are similar enough. Again, from our point of view, we're looking at Roscommon, like you'd be looking at some of the key forwards that they have that are very, very good players. You know, they have the two Smiths, Connor Cox, two Mercers if they play, are a very good footballer. But again, you'd always have that doubt with them probably at the background midfield. So I think they are two very evenly matched teams. It would be interesting, but I suppose... One of what we've seen from Gaul's potential last year, I think they probably should come out on top. And a Galway, Galway, Mayo, Connacht final, who wins that? Uh, I, look, I have to say Mayo, I suppose, don't I? No, I think um, that, that'll be the big one, I think, for Mayo as well, to see if they've kind of kicked on from, I suppose, last year's Connacht final. Like, I mean, you know, you bring in three new fellas, the likes of Oshin Owen and Tommy Conroy there. You know, they obviously bedded in straight away. There was no issues with them. Like, they were flying. Whether James can get another couple of the under young lads that are the under-20s last year to come through would be the big thing. Um, whether those three lads can continue to form on. So, look, from Mayo point of view, I'd be saying, yeah, we should be winning that. But, look, Mayo go all kind of final. It can be a toss of coin sometimes without trying to sit on the fence, to be honest. Machine. Yeah, this in goal is the interesting one. Uh, I think, you know, when Keith talks about the bounce... There's a bounce, and then you know, obviously, uh, they were they were hurt dramatically by the fact that you know 
they had all that momentum built up and then all of a sudden uh, it wasn't there. Obviously, you know, not playing a game before the, the kind of final last year didn't help. Even if it's a game of any description, uh, it doesn't really matter because, you know, like you, you're probably not giving away everything in the league. Although I will, I'll argue later that, you know, there's less of a chance for Division One teams to uh, keep their powder dry, you know, like they may have done in the past. Um, so goal is the interesting one for me. Uh, I wouldn't think it would take a huge amount of improvement from Galway um, to to really trouble uh, Mayo and maybe even get over the lane against them. Um, that's not discounting Ruscommon because uh, I think Ruscommon. Uh, if I was if I was I was looking at those three teams in particular. Um, I would say that Roscommon have the potential to 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 continue improving. Um, I still think that uh, they haven't made the most of the you know the forwards that that Keith talked about. I think there's an opportunity to make more of 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 those players. Um, and then Mayo, when I look at Mayo last year, a lot of people will see it again as a disappointing year. But I actually look at it and look at Mayo used more players last year than any other team in the country. Um, from the start of the league right through the championship, 37, 38 players. Uh, Joanne Cantwell asked me at halftime of the match, at halftime of the All-Ireland final, what would you do with a sweeper? <laughs> I'd say I would. I was talking, I was thinking, in my head I was thinking, uh, the, the, the scar tissue from the past would mean that you will have to have a deep sitting um, sweeper that's going to protect you from conceding that two six that they had done the previous uh, year, and they actually come out and they didn't do that, and they went forward and and uh, and so when people talk about the scar tissue with Mayo, I'm not so sure that uh, that's maybe as evident as we thought it was, and I think the new players, the new players have given them a serious lift. Um, Oshin Mullen for the first 25 minutes of the All-Ireland final was absolutely outstanding um, and um, I, I just think that w- with Mayo there's still I still think there's there's a little bit more to come I think uh, for Mayo to win an All-Ireland probably need, need uh, somebody to take Dublin out along the way um, but certainly, Mayo, in my estimation, are the second best team in the country. Have proven that uh, are able to cope um, with the big days, and and that's you know not discounting the fact that um, they haven't been able to get across the lane in all Ireland final. But still, um, when it when it comes down to the crunch, uh, when they played Donegal in uh, in in McHale Park a couple of years ago, and uh, Two years ago, and they needed that win. It was them that, that come out with the win. Um, so I would say they're the second best team in the country, and and really, uh, Galway will have to, as I say, kick on another little bit in order to, um, in order to win a a kind of title. At this stage, um, you couldn't look past Mayo, and and again, you look you look at the development of the players, and again, if if you were to add one or two more. Uh, to to the setup that they had last year, actual starters. Um, it's amazing what that can do for a team because you've seen what the three boys done last year. 
And Tommy Con- Tommy Conroy is an interesting one. I still think that uh, physically he has a lot of development to do, and I think there's no doubt he has he has made the most of the off season. It'd be interesting to see. Remember, we've seen the the development in in Conor Callahan. I think we might see something similar in Tommy Conroy. I know he's a different frame of a lad, and probably doesn't want to be as big as that. But uh, I'd say physically he's he's in a he's in a different space. Um, we'll see him in a different space come kind of championship. Who's the most difficult forward to mark in Mayo training? For, uh, for me, I'd probably say Aiden, just for the fact that he just kind of brushed you out of the way, and you know, it's like I wouldn't even be there, you know, um, <laughs> physically wise. But I always found Killian very tough to mark uh, for the simple reason he's just very cute. He knows when to make the run, when to stay away. Um, you know, he probably he probably found out that he probably if it was a one on one sprint, I'd probably beat him nine times out of ten. So he kind of found a way around that, you know. But as Ushi mentioned there, Tommy kind of came in last year and like his first probably three steps are so quick that if he gets half a, a second on you, he's gone. So particularly last year, I found that very difficult. But um, yeah, like I, I found, I always find Killian very, very hard to mark. He's just very cute, you know. Tommy had a, had a difficult All-Ireland final, but he is, it's not unusual for that to happen with a player who has a breakthrough season then to struggle in an All-Ireland final. And he looks to me like an, like an outstanding footballer. But it, it can be difficult, of course, in the second season, again, where mm-hmm. expectations are a little bit higher and defenders are more used to you and they've got a longer look at you. Did you, did you spend much time when you were going to mark somebody looking at video of them? Were you take, did you take much instruction? Um, I wouldn't have spent a huge amount of time looking at video. I suppose um, you would have spent, you know, you'd obviously look at a few bits and pieces. You might look back at the previous couple of games and just look at a few clips, but um, you might try and get a few tendencies on what they do, but I would never have gotten overly, you know, I wouldn't say worried is the word, but, you know, I wouldn't have been overly focused on them. Um, Kind of, I'd always kind of mark a fellow the same way, regardless, to be honest, and that kind of might have been my downfall at times, but, um, you know, I'd kind of like to be on the front foot and kind of maybe play from the front and go up the pitch a bit as well. So, again, I wouldn't have been overly worried about looking at too much stuff, whereas I know all the lads would have spent a lot of time analysing players and look at what they do. So, I think it's kind of, it is a very individual thing and lads have to kind of figure out what works best for themselves, you know. But, like you said, I think next season is going to be particularly interesting for the three boys whether they can keep that kind of momentum going that they had the three younger lads from Mayo. So, um, I suppose just on Ocean's point here, they're on like, Tommy did physically develop an awful lot from the kind of came in at the end of 2019 as well, himself and Oshin Mullen just towards the end of the year when the under-20s finished. Um, the way he developed even in that kind of few months was, was massive. So if he can have half that development again, you know, there's a massive potential there for him. If, if whoever wins the Connacht Championship in the All-Ireland semi-final, they play the champions of Leinster. And if you look at the, the Leinster draw, it seems to me that the standout fixture is awfully loud in the in in the first round. Um, it's it's Jesus Christ. <laughs> while Christ. well, Nicky Hart coming down with loud um, after eighteen years managing their own, uh, what he will bring to the Leinster Championship will will be really interesting to see. And I know if I was an awfully footballer. And I suppose I haven't formally retired, so I can consider myself still in the hunt for a, for a place. But if, it were, if I was an awfully footballer, I would be really excited about that match. 
and the attention that would be on that match at the time and the prospect of of doing something of it. Now, it's people are very dismissive about Leinster football because of the dominance of Dublin, and I get it. But there are local rivalries here, which even in the, in a local context, really matter to the people of uh, of the Midlands. So you look at you look at, for example, Leash v Westmead, which for the people of those counties is a massive game, and they it's a match that's often played in Tullamore. So I've seen it for a for a long time. Um, Wicklow v Wexford is actually the oldest Gaelic football rivalry. It dates from 1886, a match which Charles Stewart Parnell went to in, in 1886. And the crowd was so big a crowd, the crowd actually joined in with the players in some of the matches. It was held on Parnell's land in, 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 in Avondale. And the players, the, 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 the spectators had to be driven off the pitch with sticks when they tried to join in. Carlo Longford for Carlo would be interesting to see what they do. But the big beast is undoubtedly Dublin. Oshin, um Dublin and Leinster, how do you see that? Well, look, at, I, I get what you're saying, Paul, and, and that will be an intriguing game between uh, Awfully and Loud, and probably that will be predetermined um, by how Loud have have uh, steered the way through Division 4, and we'll probably know fairly early on the impact that uh, that Mickey Hart is having in Loud. Um, there is huge excitement, Uh Players who, like, I'll put it this this way to you: I've never had a loud footballer ring me before because I'd be dealing with them a lot, obviously, because I'm I'm uh, involved in, in the Dock Institute technology, and um, there's ten years. I've never had a loud player ringing me, wondering why they're not on the county panel. Whereas this year, I've had a lot of phone calls because a lot of gays want in there as opposed to out, which they had done in the past. And uh, and so that's that's this may sound ridiculous, but that's that's number one thing is to try and get your best players into that panel and try and get them uh, mobilized. Um, Mickey Hart will have an influence, but there still needs to be substance behind all that. And uh, and I do believe there's good enough players uh, in Lowe's, first of all, to get them out of Division Four. Um, which interestingly is uh, the GEA's version of uh, the Super League. Super League. <laughs> um, when you consider all of the Galactical managers that we have there. Um, but I just think that uh, there's a cloud hanging over the Leinster Championship, and that cloud is Dublin. And as much as you guys in Leinster will want to get away from it and remove yourselves from that, uh, it's still there. It's still very obvious. So you're telling me that in a knockout championship, um, which let's face it, short changes uh, GA players in a, in a massive way for for the second year in a row. Um, but if you're thinking, if you're thinking as a G as a, a as a Gaelic footballer in Leinster, that. Uh, how do we show progress? So for now, they're awfully, maybe it's getting past that first round. But it, is is that enough, Paul? Is that enough, you know? Uh, as absolutely it, not. The winners of all, I would have to beat Kildare in a, in a, in a Leinster quarterfinal. You have to beat, you have to beat, if you're awfully, you have to beat Loud and then you have to beat Kildare. And then, because the draw for the semi-finals hasn't been made, you could then get a cut. You get a cut at either Leash or Westmead, or possibly Mead, Carlo, or Longford on one side of it. If you avoid Dublin, so you're true to a Leinster final. So that prospect is there. Yeah, and I think uh, anybody who who who's 
you know, who's thinking uh, progress has to be thinking about a Leinster final because I do think as much as there's a there's a massive gap between Division Two and Division Four. Uh, I do think that uh, there is the opportunity for all of the teams who are involved uh, to to make that. It wouldn't be a giant leap for Awfully, Louth, Waxford, Wicklow, Westmead, Leash. It wouldn't be a massive leap for any of those teams to end up in a Leinster final, in my in, in my estimation. And that's the only way I think that those teams can show uh, progress. I, I agree with that. I will say, by the way, Loud were in Division 2 three years ago, so there were clearly footballers in the county and Loud club football. There were some very fine footballers. Now, Keith, when you looked at Leinster, club, Leinster County matches, Leinster Championship matches, if you ever looked at them, did you ever really bother about any county other than Dublin? Yeah, like we would have, you definitely would have watched the games. Um, you would have nearly watched them more as, I suppose, a supporter. Well, not a supporter, but like a kind of... You know, not you wouldn't be analysing them, I suppose, put it that way. Um, because ultimately, like the way things are at the moment, um, like Dublin, the only team that are going to come out of Leinster. Um, you know, I think even looking at it last year, there there was kind of all talk about Mead putting up them in the league when they came back, and those big hopes that they might do the same with Leinster final, and like that game was over in ten minutes. So, like, I suppose without dismissing any of the teams there, and I said there are good footballers and there are decent teams there, and. I suppose, like you said there, Paul, it's funny when the, I was looking at the draw, I was thinking Offaly Loud could be a decent game. The fact that the winners are playing there and they, they fancy their chances, I suppose, of that if they, if they get over the first hurdle. And, especially, and then Leash and Westmead again shouldn't be a bad game of football, I suppose. But ultimately, like, I mean, when you're looking at the draw, like you're, you're, you're penciling Dublin as Leicester champion straight away. And after that, then you're kind of the rest of the games are just hopefully a bit of entertainment value without being too dismissive of them. There's a few managers, I think, Paul. You know, in the Leinster Championship, who are uh, in a really, they're sort of in an interesting space as far as you know, uh, within their within the counties that they're now in, like the Jack O'Connors and and the Mike Quirks and 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 Gays Legas, um, they are very much under the microscope. Uh, some of it maybe a little bit unfair in that, like it's it's very difficult at the minute to make massive progress in such a disjointed at such a disjointed time. Um, but look, people don't look at it like that. People just look at it on the on on results. And uh, and Jack O'Connor probably in particular is uh, is one where we, a lot of people would have looked at it and said that's a decent appointment and would have probably expected a lot more progress. And that sort of hasn't materialised. And just you're wondering if if maybe there's a possibility that that uh, may materialise now. But it's obviously going to be very difficult. There's not a huge amount of time spent with. Uh, with teams as far as collective training is concerned, no challenge matches going into the league. So really, there's a lot of teams who will get um, what four or five. I think everybody's guaranteed five games, which is not a lot when you consider the amount of uh, work that has gone in behind the scenes. Kildare are the great enigma. They produce exceptional underage players, big and strong. They're fast, good footballers, and something just doesn't pull together when they get to senior level. I will say Mike Quirk, I think Mike Quirk has done a brilliant job in Leash. When you see the list of footballers that he didn't have last year to be as competitive as they were aware to do, to, to do in the league, to do what they did is fantastic. I think Westmead is interesting. Westmead have done really well at underage and then schools level have four Division One Leinster schools teams and are producing footballers. But they went really negative when they played Dublin last year. And at the end of the day, 
Dublin's winning margin in last year's Leinster Championship with average winning margin was 18 points. So that's a huge gap for anyone to really have aspirations of filling. Can I ask can I ask you, Keith, when you when Mayo played against Dublin, what did Mayo focus on? Yeah, our big thing, I suppose, um, probably over that five, six, seven years was always pushing high on Dublin um, and really just, I suppose, attacking them, trying to match them, I suppose, physically and trying to match them athletically as well because, you know, our view was that if you kind of let them just have the ball and you sit back, you know, they're that good, they'll work way around you. So um, we always felt that we kind of had the players physically and athletically that we could match them and was really just kind of attacking them was, I suppose, the best form of defence that we thought we had against them. And, you know, it nearly worked on occasions, um, but unfortunately it was never good enough. But, yeah, that was always our approach anyways. Which of the Dublin forwards is the best that you've marked? Um, oh, Jesus. Like, without getting... I suppose of the current players, I wouldn't have marked the likes of Khan too much. Um, obviously, now, obviously, Burner's gone, Jim McConnell's gone. Kieran Kilkenny was, again, very good. The fact that he was constantly moving, constantly looking to get on the ball. Um, you know, like, I even remember 2015, Paddy Andrews gave me a bit of a roast in one of the semifinals. I know he's gone as well. So, like, I'm kind of looking at the forwards that they have there now, and it has changed an awful lot, that, that forward line, the last couple of years. Um but I suppose looking at it from being so close I was, I think Khan is probably the best forward that they have at the moment. Like, I mean, you can play him in the full forward line and he can be devastating from the goal. You can play him on the half forward line if you really need it, you know. So I think he's kind of the all-around the best forward um, that they have. Whereas, like, Kieran Kane then just kind of played a different role for them. Do you think Dublin are as good as they were? That's a strange... Your initial, my initial thought would be no, but then again, you look back on them this year and last year and... They never seem to be troubled throughout the championship, like you know. Um, not always no carry brought them to a replay, but like they just seem to be able to, regardless of who's there, play the same type of game. They never panic, which is probably the biggest thing for them, regardless of how things are going. They just keep their cool, they keep playing the same way, and they never look flustered. So, like your initial thought is they're not as good as they were, and that they could be there for the taking, but you know, like I said, we haven't really seen anyone get close to them so. They have to say that they still are as good as they are. Do you have a relationship with any Dublin players? Is there a friendship there on any level? No, I suppose we'll put it simply. Um, and that's not out of not wanting to or not trying to have a friendship. Well, you never get a chance to meet these guys. You know, I'd say the only time I would have met them outside of being on the football, which might have been at an All-Star ceremony or something like that, or out on an All-Star trip. And that stays in maybe for one night or for a couple of days. So, no. But look, you, not out of any kind of badness or anything, you just never have the chance to kind of form those relationships, or I haven't anyways. Um, um, when when you retired, did I read that you got messages from a Dublin player or some Dublin players? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I got a few texts, in fairness, um, a few kind of messages on social media and all that, I suppose, just because they might be having the number or whatever. But yeah, and like, I suppose that's that's something different. Like, I would have always made an effort as well to kind of send a message to a few guys who had to mark down through the years once they retire just out of respect more than anything else like i mean my view on it is you have the run-ins with these guys on the pitch you're both there to w- do what you want but at the same time there has to be a bit of mutual respect and you know in fairness i kind of appreciate getting those texts as well because as much as you dislike them on the pitch at the end of the day like they're they're striving for the same thing you are offered yeah speaking coming off the pitch was there was there a bit of a bit of messing at half time 
<laughs> a bit of missing, all right, Josh. Look, at that stage, I was just uh, I was going to get a bit bored sitting up in the stand. I need to do something. So, um, yeah, we'll probably just say a bit of missing. Might leave it at that then. <laughs> the tunnel in Crow Park is too small, sure. They need to make it bigger. Bit bigger. Oshin, did you have friendships with players from other counties when you were playing, when you were playing the game? Or is it something that developed afterwards? Uh, just probably one or two that I would have went to school with uh, from different counties, but I hadn't gone to college, so I hadn't built up those relationships, and I think that's where the majority of those relationships are uh, built, uh, built and fostered, and uh, so no, I wouldn't talk to and even, like, myself and Collie Holmes were um, fairly tight um, school and, and after school and, and all that there, but uh, we didn't speak for probably two or three years because of what was going on with our man's own. So, um, no, 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 nothing happened between us. No, we just, I don't know, it was just like an unwritten type thing. We just never bothered with each other. My colleague got married in the middle of all that. I think that was the last, that was the last opportunity I had really to speak to him. It was the, the I was groom's man for him, and, and his, uh, the obviously the wedding party was full of Tyrone heads. So, uh, it was quite a difficult day, but uh, we got through it all right, and we just left it at that then for a while, and and just pick we just picked it up where it left off, you know. So, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was my sort of relationship. I wouldn't really had a uh, really major any major relationship with anybody until I was finished playing, and then I sort of more or less don't think I'm at on bad terms with anybody, not even the cornerbacks. If if we move if we move I think I, I I take it we're saying that Dublin will will win the Leinster Championship this year I don't think it's it's an outrageous prediction to to make that if we look at and it's 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 that that's not to be disrespectful of the people who they're competing against it's just the evidence suggests everything that you've read the evidence suggests that Dublin will win the Leinster Championship again the Munster Championship Clare versus Kerry and the winners play Tipperary and on the other side it's Waterford Limerick versus Cork. Oshin, how do you see that going? Well, just thinking at least the big two have been kept apart, uh, Tipperary and Cork. Um, I think that Kerry <laughs> are Kerry are forearmed, forewarned, uh, a wounded animal, hurt, all of those things that you can think of, and yet probably still susceptible in a, in a one-off game because uh, defensively, still not convinced about them. Uh, I read this morning Peter Crowley has retired, thirty years of age. Guys are retiring way too early. Still had a lot to offer. Brought a bit of physicality to that uh, Kerry defence that they are sadly lacking. So uh, Kerry is still very, very susceptible to uh, on on one-off games. But look at you, would as I say, it's. It's been it, like even though it, it's only a couple of months ago altogether, it must be it must have felt like an eternity, you know, going out at that early stage, watching how other teams were progressing, and then watching Kerry and uh, or watching Dublin and Mayo playing an all Ireland final. It, it must have stung and it must have hurt. And um, when in a situation like that, I always refer to it, it's a little bit like like pregnancy. Because um, three men are going to talk about pregnancy. 
<laughs> when, uh, when, when, after we had our first child, my wife said to me before we left the maternity ward to have a good look around that we wouldn't be back in here. And that was because how tough the, uh, the, the pregnancy was, how tough the labor was, all the things that go with it. But we've been back in twice. So the pain goes away, if you know what I mean. And the thing about, like, I can imagine how stung those Kerry players were. We've, we heard very little from, from them for a long time. Uh, obviously, there was there was rumours around Peter Keane and what was happening there. Um, there was a massive fallout for them getting beaten by Cork. And as I say, it hurts for a long time. But that hurt starts to wane as time, as time goes by. But... Look at as I say, like um, they are good enough to win a monster championship, um, and as I say, they they've had it. Look at that. I don't think the draw the draw really mattered to them. I think the more games they get uh, in monster, the better. Um, but I still think like you know we we started talking about uh, players who are willing to sacrifice their game. I, I think that's more so evident in Kerry than anywhere else. And and I think, you know, we talked last year for a long time about how they had changed up the half-forward line, how they developed that. That didn't materialise against Cork. Uh, the work rate wasn't near what it should have been. Um, they were they felt they were going to go in and, and be able to blow Cork away. And this carry team's not good enough to blow teams away anymore. Uh, they have to match them for work rate. And if they do that with the teams in, in Munster... Then they'll have, they'll have, I still think they're they're the team to beat there, and, and they will win the monster championship. But um, they, still, there's there's not enough. What's the best way? There's not enough bad children <laughs> uh, in that in that carry defense. Well, and, well, think, and the and the baddest of them all is now gone. In, in yeah, the- and I I don't think this I don't think it's it scares anybody. I think people play, enjoy playing against Kerry and probably the biggest insult you can get is a team that enjoy, you know, that you enjoy playing against the team. Um, they're just, it's all just, it's a little bit too nice. And uh, and if they can sort that out, then look, at the, they'll be there or thereabouts when it comes to even, you know, the latter stages of the All-Ireland, but uh, they've, they've had a lot of work to do to win an All-Ireland, but they should come out a monster. Kate, the rain has fallen from the sky the time is ticking off in Parky Cueve. You're watching that game. Mark Keane scores. How did you feel? Um, yeah, look, I suppose it's like anyone watching, you're kind of, I wouldn't say you're happy, but I mean, you're happy to see a bit of drama and a bit of excitement to the game because up to that, there was nothing happening, you know. But um, I suppose there's two things there. And what I said first, it's the first time I've ever heard football is, um, compared to childbirth, anyway, that's for sure. But um, the second one, yeah, I'd. A roller coaster with this fella every week. <laughs> <laughs> Stick you around, Keith. Gonna get. It gets worse. <laughs> like I'll quit while I'm ahead here. Um, and the second, like, uh, like I expect Kerry to come through Monster Hand. You know, I think you look at last year, and like it was just a freak kind of a championship. I think. I mean, if if, Cor- if Curry a bit Cork, I think they'd a bit to Prairie Handy in that Monster final. You know, um, like I know what she's Oshin's saying there about them being nice to play against or not having enough kind of that meanness to them, but at the same time. I never felt like we were going to have a nice game playing Kerry just by the forwards that they have and the quality of the forwards that they have alone, you know. So I think if they can take the shackles off a small bit and go a bit more, like, I mean, that game against Cork, I think they played into Cork's hands because they mirrored what Cork were doing and played a bit too defensive, whereas if they'd just gone after it and pushed up and just 
you know, through caution, the wind a small bit more. I mean, I think they could have won that game easy. Um, and yeah, like when Curry play attack and football, I mean, they're as good as what's out there. So I think if they kind of get their act together small, but like that is, you know, as Ocean said, get a bit more meanness and defense, if that's there, like I can see them pushing, pushing the top two teams in the country, hundred percent. I don't know what you guys think about DNA or um, that a team, or there's a certain culture surrounding a team or. Uh, a team has a certain ethos, but I always think that that's more prevalent in Kerry because they've tried to remove themselves from it a, a couple of times and uh, they've done things that have tried to move with the times, but uh, they seem to still, everybody seems to still revert back to the fact that, look, at t- if they take you on, push up on you and uh, play front foot football, then that's where at, where they're at their best. And maybe at this stage, just thinking a little bit too much about it. Um, and that, you know, the fact that they can hurt you from so many positions up front and that they changed that last year. I watched them the first day they played Monaghan in, in, uh, in uh, they played them in Enniskeen, actually, um, in the league. And uh, they, that was the first time that they had gone with uh, two defensive, uh, two very, sorry, defensive uh, wing forwards. And uh, and they, they had enough that day uh, to get to get by Monaghan, um, but I just I'm not sure if that's in the DNA or if that even makes any difference. I'm trying to figure it out in my head as, as we speak, but um, some sometimes you look at them and, and you look at some of the players playing certain positions and you think they don't look as comfortable as what they should do. So I'm not sure if there's more in that whole DNA thing than 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 uh, than we give credit for. Yeah, I suppose the one thing I'd say on that is like again, it's not a whole for me, it's not a whole DNA thing. But I'm looking at obviously like to Sean O'Shea, um, Clifford, Gini if he's fit. Um, like I mean, you have three of the best forwards in the country there. Like if David Moore out midfield, like a superb kick pass for the ball from sixty yards. Like I mean, it's kind of your play to your strengths. I suppose is the main way I put it. Like I mean, get the ball to those boys as quickly as you can. Don't have Sean O'Shea or Clifford chasing back into their own half. You know, keep them where they're strongest. Like you know, it's not a, for me. It's not a whole DNA thing. It's just playing to your strengths, I suppose. Now I know you have to kind of counter that with kind of protecting yourself defensively and setting yourself upright. But at the same time, keep them boys where they'll do the most damage. How do you rate David Clifford? Ah, oh, look, he's up there with as good as, as what's around. Um, like I mean, he's probably six foot something or other. Like he's a big man. He's quick. Kick off both feet. Um. Like I know even when we played them 2019 a couple of times, like you're looking at them going, well, what's the best way to mark this fella? Um, like, you know, if you're playing from front, they'll probably just put in a high ball on top of them the way they were they were playing at the time. Like, he's cute as well. He'll be hanging on to you. He'll be dragging out of the, the pullback at the cornerback, and then he'll make it run, and if the defender holds on to him, he's, he's calling at the ref. Like, so he's cute enough as well for a young lad, but look, at talent-wise, like he's as good as what we've seen in an awful long time. Is there a bit of an edge between Kerry and Mayo? There can be, yeah, there can be. Um, I suppose it's just like we we would have played each other so much down in the last few years, whether it's league or championship. Um, there's never a huge amount in the games. Um, but yeah, there probably is a bit of a niggle there at this stage. Now, it's not out of, I don't think there's any real badness to it. Um, but yeah, there can be a little bit of niggle in the games. All right, yeah. Is there is there much by way of verbals? Not that I'd be aware of, to be quite honest. Um, 
goes up. I don't know what things are like up in Ulster, but uh, <laughs> that's a different kettle of fish altogether. But yeah, look, there's very few players, right? I come across very few players that'd be into that. You might have one or two on some of the teams, but like my experience down through the years, like maybe it's just me being oblivious to it or not wanting to get involved in it, but I'd see very little of it anyways. Is there verbals between Mayo and Dublin on the field? Again, I wouldn't see much of it, to be quite honest with you. Um, if I'm standing in cornerback, American Dean Ross, I'm not going to be talking to him, or he's not going to be talking to me, whether it happens further out the pitch. I'd, I'd be brutally honest here, I don't know. Um, you'd probably see some players on television who seem to be constantly talking, but um, I wouldn't say it goes on all over the place. I'd say if it does go on, it's few and far between at this stage. And you would take it, you would take it, if we look at that championship, I think Limerick made a lot of progress last year. I think Limerick were really unlucky not to be Tipperary in the first round. I think Limerick will beat Waterford. And I think Limerick could give Cork a really serious game in that other semi-final. I think Kerry will beat Clare and I think Kerry will beat Tipperary, but I still think it'll be a Kerry-Cork final. And are we taking it that be Kerry? For me, it will be, yeah. Um, it can be interesting to see how, <laughs> how Cork react after that Munster final last year, but pound for pound, yeah, if I'm looking at that, I'd still be saying Kerry come out on top all day long. Look at Cork. Seen Cork seem to be in a you know a much better place. Seem to be much uh, much more thought and and uh, and resources being put into them. Um, and they look they look um, a well coached team last year uh, with still with the with the existing frailties that have been there for some time now. Because the big test was not Kerry for me. The big test was backing it up against Tipperary, like we talked about last year. And uh, not being able to do that uh, has to sting with them, you know. Also, but uh, but they'll be probably coming up against the Kerry team, who uh, probably haven't forgotten enough uh, for them to 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 you know to be slightly off like they were last year. If Kerry win the the Munster Championship, they play the winners of Ulster in the in the All Ireland semi final. Oshin, will that be Tyrone? Tyrone's a really tough position now. I think knockout football um, hurts Ulster teams more than than any other. That's that's my own personal view because I do think that uh, Donegal, Tyrone, possibly Monaghan, possibly Armagh, possibly Cavan. Are the teams that could, you know, in a backdoor system, end up in in quarterfinals without any um, without any major fuss? So, um, Tyrone are, are up against it. They play Cavan in the first round. Um, so, like we haven't seen anything of what Tyrone, what way Tyrone will have reacted um, to the first of all the um, the new impetus in the panel. Uh, new management, uh, how they're taking on the instruction after listening to the same person for so long. Uh, you would imagine that there should be a huge bounce in them. I don't think it helps the the fact that uh, the, that their Division One campaign is Monaghan, Armagh, and Donegal. I don't think that helps anybody. Um, I don't think that helps the Ulster Championship. I don't think players are. Look, I don't. I just don't think it's. I don't think it's right. I think it should have been. A, Sorry, it's like a mechanic cup. It's like a mini mechanic cup being played in that division. It's yeah, like it's it is. It's like a mini Ulster Challenger, but all the teams who would have a who would have a prospect of winning, 
Um, but if you look at Tyrone's run, so Tyrone have uh, Haven in the quarterfinal and play the winners of Monaghan or Fermanagh. No, the- no, uh, they play the winners of Down, Donegal, and Derry. Um, oh. And and I think the fact that uh, Donegal last again should be hurting from last year. I'd really be interesting in what Keith has to say about how they performed down in Mayo a couple of years ago. But I just think that there's a serious question mark, a massive question mark against Donegal now. And the reason for that is that uh, the games that they really have been expected to win should have won. Um, they haven't won in the last three or four years. Uh, also on top of that, uh, when you consider the... And the players that they had coming through, the talent that they've had coming through, I don't think they've made the most of that at all. Um, so, look, if Toronto are going to win a, um, an Ulster Championship, if they get by Cavan, which there's a good possibility they will because they have a good tradition against against Cavan, um, but also uh, they have to get by Donegal. And then I think whoever comes through that side will probably win the win the Ulster Championship. I think an interesting one on the far side is who gets to the final. Um, Fermanagh, I suppose, are on the way in. Uh, and I think Munnan and Armagh will be an interesting one. If anybody knows the caption that I'm thinking about in my head of uh, Geezer and, uh, and Banty. Geezer was over Kildare and Banty was over uh, Meath. And they got quite close together on a, on a, on a certain occasion, but uh, so that would that would renew that would renew that rivalry, and I think that's realistically what we're looking at. Probably Donegal to on one side and uh, Armagh on the other. Keith, yeah, look, that's the one good thing about the Ulster Championship. I mean, is you just don't know where to start when you're looking at all these games. Um, you know, Tyrone Cavan. Like it'd be interesting to see from both sides how Tyrone reacted to the new management. Like Oshin said, how Cavan reacted to having a good year last year, um, whether they can back it up. Um, you know, same with Monon. Like after losing to Cavan there the way they did last year, how will they react to that on their side? Um, whether I'm out of it. Like there's so many questions around that, and there's so much interest in games in it. Like it's you just wish all the cha- the championships were like that, you know. But um, on Oshin's point about Donegal, yeah, I suppose they do. You just don't know where you are with them sometimes, I suppose. They have so much talent there, and there was so much talk about them last year when the team put up to Dublin. Oh, again, where will they be this year? Like, I mean, they should be kind of pushing on and, you know, if not winning that Ulster title, pushing a bit further. But, again, you just suppose you can't really guarantee anything with them. It's it's If you look at Donegal, though, in the Michael Murphy era, it's the most successful era in the history of Donegal football. And if Michael Murphy's powers are begin to wane or if they are waning he's so fundamental to to what Donegal do Donegal could back into the pack um, a little bit here whereas Tyrone could be at the start of a cycle with with those coming through well if, if for me if if, if if Tyrone are the start of a cycle then so should Donegal I think Donegal arguably have had more talent through you look at all you have to do is look at uh, Brennan McGee uh, Langan uh, Austin Gallen. That's only just that's simply off the top of my head. Uh, and like the likes of Ray McHugh, uh, and you know the the more established guys. Yeah, the more established guys who are who are who are now uh, seasoned Challenger players, 
and more importantly, seasoned Ulster Championship players, um, you would think that they still ha- have uh, the opportunity to ha- to be on an up- upward curve. And you know what? Michael Murphy is, is only on the wane, as far as I can see, as far as how much ground he can cover. still think the obvious thing is sticking full forward and... and and look at the weapon he he is in there. And even if he even if he if he if he maneuvers himself between fourteen and eleven, I still think that that would uh, you know give him a, a few more years in the game at the top level, having a serious impact. But the days of Michael Murphy being around the middle of the field for me, and having watched the, even the Ulster final last year and what was a pretty condensed pitch in in, in Armagh, uh, just not having the same. Uh, influence over the game that he should have but I still, still think that he, he's a long way from finished and he could have that influence in the full forward line Are we being have we been too dismissive of Tipperary in Munster and are we being too dismissive of Cavan in Ulster they are provincial champions they in the championship that was in it okay it was a very particular type of championship but they should have flowed from that is there a possibility that they can take that forward this year Tipperary in Munster Cavan in Ulster um, well, I'd say, again, without being disrespectful to Tipperary, I think you, you look at Kerry and they should be the team that should be driving on in Munster. Um, with Cavan, I wouldn't say I'm dismissing them. Like, I mean, again, I think they, out of them and Tipperary, I think they're the team that could potentially put a decent season back-to-back again this year. But that first game against Tyrone is going to be huge. I mean, as I said, I expect to bounce off Tyrone with the new management team after how last year went for them. So uh, for Cavan, it will all depend on that first game to get over that. You will know where they could go. There was a very, in- there has been a very intense rivalry between Mayo and Tyrone as well. Um, you've got the better of them quite often. Keith, why is that? I don't know. We would never have feared Tyrone, I suppose. Um, you know, even going back, I'd say to maybe 2013 when we played them in the semi final, um, even 2016 as well. It was 2016 yeah, when they were going well and we got them in the semi final, quarter final again. We would never have feared them. We would never have thought that. You know they were above us, I suppose, or they were better than us. So, um, and like we would have bet them an awful lot in the league over the last probably seven, eight years as well. So I think that's kind of where that confidence came Always from. Always tight so, games. Always tight games. I remember the yeah. matches in particular where we kind of pulled it out of the fire. Yeah, no, I, I know we lost a few of them as well, but like I said, a lot of the time we would have come out on top. So it was like I said, there was just a confidence there that we could, we could beat them, um, and that yeah, if we kind of played to the pace that we wanted to play, that we, were, we would have been better than them on the day. Does that imply that that confidence wasn't there for either for playing against either Dublin or Kerry? Uh, not necessarily Kerry, anyways. Um, again, I think again I'm probably going back maybe to 2017, probably here as well, which is probably a good few years ago at this stage. But like, particularly in the league for the few years from up to that, we would have bet them an awful lot in the league. Even 2019, we bet them in the league down. They were with them in the league final. So again, I know they gave us a good hiding down in. Clarny in the Super 8, so I think that might have been a kind of a bit of payback for those two games. But yeah, again, there wouldn't have been a huge fear of them. We would have respected them, ultimately, given the players that they had. Um, but there wouldn't have been a huge fear against them. Dublin, then again, I suppose, is a slight bit different. Again, we would have never feared them, but I suppose it probably might, have, deep down, might have been that confidence there that we could really go on and beat them because we hadn't been doing in the league as well. So I think the league, for us, it kind of it gave us a platform to build on league performance that we, if we met a team in the championship that we knew that we had the beating of them. So who do we take then as winners of the Ulster Championship? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Um, Personally like speaking, 
Personally speaking, I've been born too many times by Donegal now, so uh, I'm going to stay clear of them. Uh, I'm going to go Tyrone. Keith? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, you look at Donegal having to come through the preliminary round again. Like, I mean, again, you'd imagine there'd be a bit of bounce off down as well. Like, I mean, they should get over that, but I don't think they'll have it all their own way for a lot of that game. You know, if they have to play Derry and then the winners of Tyrone, Cavan, and then potentially a man or a man a final, it just seems a bit difficult for them probably week on week at this stage. So I'd nearly take um, a punt. And if it isn't Tyrone, I'd nearly go with the man. And if there is that bounce off them after what happened last year. Okay. So we can get to All-Ireland semifinals. And it's, if we're going Dublin v Mayo and uh, Kerry uh, v Tyrone or Monaghan, who wins that All-Ireland championship? Oshin. I'll let you take that, Oshin. <laughs> Dublin, put me neck in the lane. Go Dublin. <laughs> that's 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 quite brave, I seen. Keith. Um, it'd be just my luck that'd be Mayo that would win it this year as soon as I walk away. Um but yeah, look, I think the huge one would be okay, if Mayo are playing Dublin in a semi final, like I think any time we've played them since twenty fifteen there's always been a lot of finals and they haven't gone too well. So um whether Lauren semi final would be different, I don't know. Uh, look, I suppose as much as the heart wants to say Mayo, I think the head has to kind of look at the way Dublin have been performing over the last few years and they don't seem to be showing any sign of that dropping off. So they have to be favourites again. And they have a good bit of walk, walk down. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I went and put Monaghan up in Ulster as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that extra bit of trading pulls everyone through. Mm-hmm. You think, and do you think then who wins between Kerry, who wins between Kerry and either Toronto or Monaghan? That carry in the All Ireland final. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I go with Kerry anyways. I think, as like you said, if they can get their house in order, maybe defensively and whatever, I think they have the, probably the firepower to get them there. Yeah. And then it's Kerry. Kerry you're, you're going with Dublin. Uh, yeah, because uh, I still don't think how Kerry can man that that uh, that Dublin forward line. Uh, and as much as it's changed and it's been tweaked and all that sort of thing, still have unbelievable weapons there. And uh, they not only have that, but they have a know-how uh, in the last f- 10, 15 minutes of the game because they're never going to be too far away. They have that know-how of how to, how to get across the lane. And I think that's um, as well as, you know, obviously a very good bench. And, and that bench is changing. And, and the bench has not been as, as significant as it once was but um, it's still there's still a huge amount of experience on that bench. Keith, we've spoken a lot on the podcast last year about uh, the strength of James McCarthy and Brian Fenton, and the argument being that whether McCarthy plays in the half back line or plays in midfield, that he's fundamental to what Dublin do, and what Fenton's contribution is is obvious uh, in almost every game that Dublin play. What way did Mayo approach those two players? Um, I suppose Fenton in particular would have been a case of obviously he would have designated one of the midfielders to actually just pick him up throughout the game. Um, wouldn't have been as I wouldn't have called it a specific man marking job, but you know you would have had someone who would have been tracking him or trying to I suppose minimise his impact on the game. But um, yeah, look for McCarthy then again, depending on where he played, 
you know, if you played in the half back line, you're not really going to designate a kind of half forward who wants to be tracking the whole time. You want to be trying to get him in the back foot. But again, like they're just so good, two boys that regardless of who you put on them, when there's that much room out in the middle of the field in Crow Park, they're ultimately going to cause you a lot of bother anyway. So I think even McCarthy, like, I mean, it's just his engine for driving up and down the, the pitch all day long. Like Vincent is so good on the ball. Um, which yeah, McCarthy is just, I suppose people call him the Rolls Royce for engine, and he is in fairness. Like, but like, yeah, we wouldn't, we would have put designated someone to mark him, but again, it wouldn't have been an out and out man marking job, put it that way. Um, it's, it feels like the same, it's back then to the same group of people at the at the top end of the championship. Yeah, but um, so you look at, look at last year, Paul, and you know. Like, did we give Tipperary or Calvin a chance? So, with knockout football, uh, you know, we said last year anything could happen and anything can happen. But I just think, again, the cloud that's, that that looms large over that is the one, is the is the Dublin one. You know, and, and they just seem to be so far ahead in Leinster. So, you're coming out of Leinster really unbruised and then you're going into a, an all-earned semi-final and then... You're clicking in the gear because you're saying to yourself, look at two games and we're all there in champions again. Every time we do this, we're creating history. And uh, when you get into a role like them, it's more difficult to lose than it is, you know, to win. So, uh, you know, they're in a they're in a, a nice position. And Leinster football has made it too nice for them. Not to be just too, too down on Leinster football. That's just the way it is. And that's the way the cycle has came. But the cycle seems to be lasting forever. You know, and uh, as I say, that's why, you know, when you think about all the things, all the things that can change and all the things that uh, possibly might change and the fact that Tipperary and Cavan come out last year and give us all, restored all of our hope in in Gaelic football and uh, our preconceived notions about it. Um, Dublin are the one thing that looms large over that. So don't be, I wouldn't be massively shocked if, if somebody other than who we mentioned comes out of the provincial champions, like a Galway or or a Cavan or a Monan or an Armagh or a uh, you know, or, or a Cork or something, somebody like that. So, um, so yeah. So, but but Dublin is the consistent is the consistent one here. The the, the one that, as I say, consistently looms large over us all. Do you think it was a mistake then to have Keith? Actually, do you do you did you did you do you prefer the knockout championship? Or did you in did you enjoy the super eight? Did you enjoy the backdoor system? Um, I wouldn't have been a huge fan of the super eights, to be honest. Um, I think I just didn't really see the need for it. I thought, you know, once you had your backdoor championship, you know, teams had a second chance, that was it, that was fine, that was fair enough. It wasn't the ideal championship, but I think it was as good as what we had. Um, the knockout, I think it was, it was probably okay last year as a novelty. I think given the times we're in, it's probably the only choice we have. But at the same time, I wouldn't be a fan of going back to it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you literally thought you'd have four maybe league games and then you could potentially have one championship game and that's your season done. But, you know, I don't think there's a huge amount for majority of the teams really to be kind of looking forward to seeing when they progress, when, especially with the condensed league. So I wouldn't be a fan of the, the knockout championship, to be honest. Were you, were you interested in the league when you were playing in, playing in it? Uh, if you asked me that at the start of my career, I would have said a league medal was never a huge ambition. I think it was more so a case of, you know, it was something that had to be played. But as the year developed, I think the way the league got stronger, as in you were playing the top eight teams every year, 
we were getting better games. There was so much emphasis put on the jet. We didn't take it very seriously, and it did. Personally, we took it seriously, and that's why 2019, I was delighted that when we won the league final, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely gained importance over the last few years. Thank you very much for for joining the, the podcast, and hopefully we'll talk to you later in the year. Thanks a million as well, uh, Oshin, and to um, to Larry for running the podcast, Tony Lean, and everyone who examined our sport. Have a good week, everyone. Fish ball. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, he's doing this, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold milk and cold for at least a week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.